You're listening to the True Life Church Podcast. Sermons are recorded at our Sunday gatherings from Melbourne, Florida. True Life Church guides people to take the next steps in their relationship with Jesus Christ, to grow, belong, and serve. We hope this audio message encourages you to take your own next steps in faith. If you'd like to know more about our church or attend one of our gatherings, find us online at www.truelifemelbourne.com. Today's message comes from lead pastor Joshua Smith. I want to start with Acts chapter 1 verses 11. I want you to stand for our opening scripture reading as we've been doing here this most of this year. Acts chapter 1. Verse 1 through 11. And this is where we began this series. And this is going to be important for us also today. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. And he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And we had said these things as they were looking on. He was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who is taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. This is the word of God for the people of God. You may know the response. Thanks be to God. All right, you may have a seat. I want to begin there for where we're going in just a few moments so that we are reminded of that just as Peter will be in our, in our main passage for today. Last week we kind of took a pause, uh, a good pause, and we did a day of psalms and, and prayer. So thanks for being here and being a part of that, for breaking up in the groups that we did and, and, and just being in prayer for all the things that are going uh, on in our, uh, in our church, in our community, and in our world and you can always remember just fill out a prayer card out there on that on that board and encourage every single one of us every single week to go out there and read those cards and maybe even take a screen a shot or a picture or whatever of a few to remember throughout your week as we are again hoping to be uh, people of prayer and so thanks for that last week so we're picking up the story from a couple of weeks ago and if you recall and I'm not going to dwell too long on it but Peter had a vision and uh, the sheet came down uh, with all types of animals on it, and according to Jewish customs, some were clean, some were unclean, and that's the rule of kashrut, or you may know it as kosher. You know, even today in the grocery store, things are kosher or unkosher, clean versus unclean. And the sheet was brought down with the animals and then lifted up and brought down and lifted up and brought down and lifted up. And every time after that, he heard the voice of the Lord saying, What I have made clean, do not call common all right and so then the next week we kind of explored a little bit deeper into this story in acts chapter 10 and uh it was very clear already that we would already talked about this that peter knew that the lord wasn't talking about food he wasn't talking about diet at this point that this was bigger than just what to eat or what not to eat and that's revealed to us in acts chapter 10 uh, verse 28 uh, where these men show up, sent by Cornelius, and God has intersected their, their story. And so these men show up, sent to Peter, 
in the town of Joppa, where he's staying at the time, and said, let's, this angel appeared to Cornelius and said, go get Peter and bring him back. He's got a word for you for which by you and your house will, will be saved. So we sent for Peter. A couple of guys went on that journey, and, and then these men intersect um, Peter over there in Joppa, and the light bulb clicks on, and he's like, this is very clear. So again, in verse 28 of chapter 10, um, and he said, you know, you know, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. Now, again, in the vision, it was food. It was animals, reptiles, birds, beasts of the land. But it was very clear by that point that, that Peter knew that the vision wasn't talking about food. The vision was talking about people. And again, what God has made clean, do not call common. So we're going to pick up today. Peter goes back to the, uh, um, to the village where Cornelius is and his whole house. Um, hears the word of the Lord from Peter, and the Holy Spirit falls on that house. And uh, we're going to pick up here at the end of, of chapter 10. And while Peter was still saying these things, verse 44, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word, and the believers from among the circumcised who has come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them, speaking in tongues and extolling God. And Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then he asked them to remain for some days. So here we go and now into chapter 11. Now the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him, saying, You went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. But Peter began and explained it to them in order that I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, something like a great sheet descending, being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to me. Looking at it closely, I observed animals and beasts of prey and reptiles and birds of the air, and I heard a voice saying to me, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, By no means, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But the voice answered a second time from heaven, What God has made clean do not call common. And this happened three times. And all was drawn up again into heaven. And behold, at that very moment, three men arrived at the house in which we were, sent to me from Caesarea, and the Spirit told me to go with them, making no distinction. These six brothers also accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. And, and he told us how he had seen the angel stand in his house and say, Send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. He will declare to you a message by which you will be saved, you and all your household. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as on us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave the same spirit to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? And when they heard these things, they fell silent and they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. Now I want to read this entire section first because we're actually going to go back now and we're going to break it up into a few different sections. So back to now 11, verse 1. Through three, And word travels fast. You ever find that out in life? Sometimes people know about something before you do. Uh, or, or you're like, How did you, I didn't know that. And the word comes back. Well, some people found out from the town of Caesarea what had gone down there. And so Peter is walking back into Jerusalem. And some of these people already know. And what they know is what they've been told. What they don't know is what actually happened there. Right? And I just encourage us all, you know, it's a great, great little tiny micro lesson in there. You know, let's find out what happened. Sometimes we operate on what we've been told um, and whether or not that is true, and we, we act on it. So let's, let's weigh things to see if they are actually true or not. So the apostles and the brothers who throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. And this, again, would have been while Peter was staying in the house of Cornelius for some days. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him, saying, You went to uncircumcised men 
and ate with them. Now again, this wasn't against Jewish law, but just simply Jewish custom. That a, a Jewish person was not allowed to eat uh, or visit or stay with a Gentile, someone who was a non-Jew. It wasn't in the law, but it was a custom. All right? And so the circumcision party here, what we're going to discover right off the bat is that this is the confrontation. So Peter's coming back into Jerusalem, and if you want to follow along today, that each one of these is going to have a the something. All right? So this is the confrontation. And we're finding out, okay, well, who, who, who's involved? Well, this is the opposition. Right, in verses 1 through 3. This is the people who are going to be adversaries to Peter. This is what he's walking into. This is the confrontation. Again, verses 1 through 3. This is the circumcision party. Right? These are people, again, we talked about this uh, last week and a couple weeks ago. These are people who wanted the, everyone to become Jews before they became Christians. In other words, you know, if, if you want to know Jesus, you've got to come to him through through, through our way, and you have to follow our laws and get circumcised and, and, and observe the festivals and observe the feasts and all this kind of stuff. All right? So, number one, that was the confrontation. Let's keep moving. Now we have the explanation. All right? And this is the vision in verses 4 through 10. So Peter began, and he explained it to them in order. I was in the city of Joppa praying. And in a trance I saw a vision, something like a great sheet descending, being let down from heaven by its four corners. And it came close, and it came down to me. And looking at it closely, I observed animals and beasts of prey and reptiles and birds of the air. And I heard a voice saying to me, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, By no means, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But the voice answered a second time from heaven, What God has made clean, do not call common. And this happened to me three times. And all was drawn up again into heaven. Again, we've already talked to about the clean versus unclean and how important that was for Peter to understand. And what beyond the diet, again, that for Peter to understand that it was talking about people. Right? And and in this vision he explains what has happened. And the beauty of this, I in, in one of my opinions, because that's all it is, is how incredibly close this is to what we've already read the chapter before. And it's important to know that Peter like leaves out no details. When he's standing there explaining everything, I'm going to begin at the beginning so that you are brought 100% up to speed. I'm not going to tell you this little snippet or tell you this little bit. I'm not going to leave you out of anything. I want you to know everything. I'm going to get you up to date from the beginning. All right. And so he tells them this vision so that they have an understanding of what he saw because it was his vision. If they don't understand his vision, they will misunderstand the interpretation of it. So he explains to them what he saw, because again, they weren't there. They just heard the rumors that Peter went to some person's house and the Holy Spirit came, and we don't know what happened. So he explains the vision to them. What I have seen, and now you have seen kind of along with me so that you understand, because they also would have understood the clean versus unclean thing. So we had the confrontation and the explanation, and here's where, in my opinion, things start getting interesting and even the retelling of this. Now we have what we'll call the intersection, beginning in verse 11. So he has the vision, and at, behold, at that very moment, three men arrived at the house in which we were, sent to me from Caesarea. Ever, sometimes we, we boil it down to a phrase which I'm not against, but I think it fails to capture what is really happening. And that phrase is, oh, it's a God thing. Ever heard that before? He might have even said that before. Oh, this is, he's gone together. Oh, it's just a God thing. And, and, and to be fair, we're, we're, we may not be wrong. Again, we want to test whatever is happening up against the Word of God to see if that God thing is really a God thing or, or just something else happening. And, and it will always reveal itself to us in truth through the Word or not. So it might, it might be a quote-unquote God thing. And when those things happen, aren't they amazing? When, 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 when something, when a check comes in the mail that you weren't even expecting to pay the bills, and you're like, wow, that's a God thing. Or when you meet a person that is somehow connected to someone else, and you find out that, you, that the story is much bigger than that. And there's a whole bunch of different types of things. I'm not going to waste time talking to you about what a God thing is, right? But this was definitely what we would call a God thing by that phraseology. 
at that very moment. Not a coincidence. Again, three men show up at Peter's house. And remember, it wasn't Peter, this Peter's house. It was Simon, Peter, another, another Simon, another Peter who was the tanner. That's where he was staying. So again, it's these specific things showing up looking for the, the right dude who's staying at not even his house. It'd be one thing if they showed up to Simon the tanner's house where he lived, but he didn't live. It'd be one thing if I showed up to your address and expected you to be there. It'd be something else if completely I went to, you know, 1220 Sycamore and, and expected to see you there. I think that's where Jimmy Stewart stayed in It's a Wonderful Life. He might be there. I don't know. That's weird. That just popped. I just picked an address out of the top of my head. It is a wonderful life. All right. Just those petals. Now, what's really interesting here is that this intersection of these people's stories, if we're paying close attention to the text, did not stop when they showed up it's Simon the Tanner's house. No, then we read uh, the chapter previous that the three men who were sent to Peter to get him, as well as in verse 23 of chapter 10, you don't have to go back here, but in verse 23 of chapter 10, so he invited these men to be in guests, and the next day he rose and went away with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. Tiny little detail that now, fast forward back to where we're at, is important. And the Spirit told me to go with them, verse 12, making no distinction. I'm not looking at them as Jew or Greek, Gentile, or anything else like that. I'm going to go with them, making no distinction. And these six brothers also accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. Now, it's important to note that these, these six brothers who accompanied me, he, he's literally referencing to these six brothers. Here they are. In a similar way to when Peter and John uh, healed the lame man. Remember we talked about that maybe five or six weeks ago? And he was exhibit A, is what we called it, up there. And, and, and the high priest had no argument to say because he's healed. There's the witness. All right? So we have the messengers and the witnesses. And these six men not only have made the journey from Joppa to Caesarea, but now Caesarea with Peter all the way back to Jerusalem. So Peter's not walking in basically saying... This is my vision, this is what I've seen, and it's only my story you have to go on. Peter's coming in armed, in a way. He's got evidence that these other six people can stand there as witnesses and validate that, yeah, this, this all happened. We saw it go down, we saw the Holy Spirit come down, we saw what was going on in this house. These six brothers also accompanied me. And we entered the man's house, and he told us how he had seen the angel stand in his house and say, Send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. He will declare to you a message by which you will be saved, you and all your household. So up to this point, this is all stuff we've, we've read. We've read most of this, if not all of this, maybe not phrased exactly the same way, uh, in the chapter previous when we were reading what happened. Now, from this point on, we get new, what we'll call new insight, even if the story might sound a little bit the same, because we are going to hear some things which, up until this point, haven't been quite revealed. So beginning here in verse 15, As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as on us at the beginning. Now what's the beginning that he's talking about? Is it when he got called by Jesus to not be a, a fisherman anymore? What beginning is he talking about? This is an open question. Feel free to answer. What's the, what's the beginning that he's talking about? What's that? Jesus nope. Yes, sir. That's right. Wesley got it. Man, got the name. I'm locking it in. Locking it in. Wesley got it. He's exactly right. Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost, when, they, when the Holy Spirit fell on them fell on them, and they're out then proclaiming in different languages and various tongues the good news 
of Christ. And so he's like, I know what this was. And in fact, some of you brothers who he's explaining this to would have known the exact same thing because they were there. They saw this happen. And this is what happened. Like, oh, oh, that happened? Oh, yeah. Like goosebumps level, even right now. Oh, that happened? Yeah, 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 that happened. The Holy Spirit fell on just as on us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord. How he said, and we've read this, and that's why we began in Acts chapter 1 today. So that we also, like Peter, would hopefully remember what we've read for us now just 12 minutes ago. How he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way. and Put a pin in it here real quick. This is the revelation. This is what Peter was meant to understand. This is what was meant to happen from the beginning. This is why the vision was revealed to Peter so that you and I might be brought into this revelation. Now I'm not talking about the name of the book revelation. That comes later at the end of this book. That's John, the revelation to John. But revelation is something revealed, is something that's made known, that we can understand in a new way or could not understand before. And, and you and I are, again, invited into this revelation. And this is what's really happened. So Peter's had a, a revelation, a new understanding, a new framework to look at the, the world through a more godly lens. And this is the lens that he's looking through, is that, the salvation of the Lord is for all people. It's not just for the Jews. It's not excluding the Jews. God's word has come to all people. And, and if they would have known the scriptures, and many of them did, they would reflect on passages like this. And some of this has already been being written down. So we have Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11, where you will be baptized, not with water, but with the Holy Spirit. And again, that is a reference even all the way back to Mark. Mark chapter 1, we have John the Baptist out in the wilderness saying, proclaim the way here for the Lord, you know. And he's baptizing in verse 7 and 8. And, and, and John the Baptist, he preached saying, after me, Comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down. I can't even, I'm not even worthy to untie his shoes. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And as this revelation comes to explain, well, who's included in this revelation? Let's, let's find out. This is why I love God's word. Let's go to the Old Testament, to the book of Isaiah Book of Isaiah, chapter 49. Chapter 49. In a few minutes, we're going to read verse 3. 49-3. It's a great, great number if you watched the Georgia-Oregon game yesterday. 49-3. It's a great win. I had to squeak that in here somehow. Go dogs. All right. Isaiah, chapter 49. Listen to me, O coastlands, and give attention Peoples from afar, the Lord called me from the womb, from the body of my mother. He named my name. He named my name. There it is. He made my mouth like a sharp sword. Sword in the swords. Sorry, and like a oh. <laughs> shield and swords. You know, he made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He made me a polished arrow. In his quiver, he hid me away. And he he said to me, "You are my servant." Israel, in whom I will be glorified. But I said, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing in vanity. Yet surely my right is with the Lord and my recompense with my God. And now, the Lord says, and bear with me, He who formed me from the womb and named my name to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him, and that Israel might be gathered to him. Israel might be gathered to him, for I am honored in the eyes of the Lord, and my God has become my strength. He says, it is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the people or the preserved Israel. 
I will make you as a light for the nations, that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Thus says the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel and His Holy One, to one deeply despised, abhorred by the nation, the servant of rulers, kings shall see and arise, princes, and they shall prostrate themselves, bow down low on the ground because of the Lord, who is faithful, and the Holy One of Israel who has chosen you. So in other words, in verse 6, it's like, it's, you're thinking too small if you think that the Word of God is simply just to bring back the people of Israel. No, 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 the plan is much bigger. I will make you as a light for the nations, a light for the nations, that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Turn over a few pages to Isaiah chapter 55. Isaiah chapter 55. And bear with me. Uh, hopefully that's fine with you, but there's only 13 verses in 55, and, and, and we're going to read all of it, and then we're going to go into where we are going to eventually land also in, in chapter 56, verses 1 through 8. Because this is all part of the same passage, and I want to break it up. All right, So Isaiah chapter 55, your heading may say the compassion of the Lord, and I invite you to think about that as we read. Come, everyone who thirsts. Notice the all, I guess, inclusive language here. Not come people of Israel who thirst, come everyone who thirsts. Come to the waters, and he who has no money, come, buy, and eat. But how can we do that? We have nothing. Oh, yeah, everything. Come buy wine and milk without money, without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread? And Brad, already one of our elders, talked about that bread of life already today, and that's what we're, we're talking about here in this exact same passage. The things that we, we buy aren't, aren't really life-giving, right? They might give us a meal for a day or an hour, six you know, hours later, they're hungry again. Two hours if you're a toddler. <laughs> so why, you know, spend all that money, it's not, it's not bread, it's, it's not going to guarantee you life everlasting. And your labor for that which does not satisfy, listen diligently to me and eat what is good. And delight yourselves in rich food. What is that? As the table the Lord has prepared, we have eaten of earlier, remembering the sacrifice of our Savior. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live. And I will make with you an everlasting covenant. And again, referencing communion on the night in which he was betrayed. Jesus took the, the bread, and after the bread, he took the cup. This is my cup of the new covenant. Right? Poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. The covenant I will make with you an everlasting covenant. This covenant is what we're talking about. My steadfast, sure love for David. And again, if you follow the genealogy in Matthew chapter uh, 1 and 2, we know the line where Jesus' birth or earthly parents are from. Joseph, right, is on the lineage of David. And behold, I made with him a witness to the people's a leader and commander for the peoples. Behold, you shall call a nation that you do not know, a nation that did not know you shall run to you because of the Lord your God and of the Holy One of Israel, for He is glorified. You're going to have people coming to you who aren't you. They're not Jews. They don't know the God that, that you say you know, that you believe in. They're going to be introduced to the Scriptures as you've come to understand them. You're going to have people coming to the nation of Israel. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. Sometimes I think you know, we, we put God in our mind. What I mean by that is, surely God would think the way we would think. Surely God has come to the conclusion that I have come to, the conclusion of, and that this should happen this way. We justify ourselves in our own way of thinking. And our world right now conforms to this. And everyone is right in their own eyes. And the goal of media and social media is basically to convince everyone to believe exactly what you believe. Only. That makes you the only right and everyone else all wrong. But when we level the playing field and say, well, none of us are God, 
I was talking about this uh, this past week. There's a great quote from the movie Rudy. And there's a priest in the movie Rudy who says, uh, you know, I've come to two conclusions. There is a God, and I'm not him. And we need that level of understanding because our thoughts are not God's thoughts. God's thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways, better than our ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And, and the James Webb telescope that they launched off not that long ago is, is trying to show us how much higher the heavens are from the earth. And we're being able to see farther and farther and farther into a universe that, for all intents and purposes, we, we can't even get our brains around it. And it would take you hundreds, if not thousands, or millions of your lifetimes to traverse what we're now just beginning to be able to see. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And we start to get the gravity and the distance, the chasm that separates what we think and how God thinks, what we see and how God sees, what we know and how God knows. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty or void, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace, the mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing, and all the trees in the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress. Instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle. In other words, where the dead things and dying things and unhealthy things were, now new life and healthy things. And it shall make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Thus says the Lord, keep justice and do righteousness. For soon my salvation will come, and my righteousness be revealed. Blessed is the man who does this, and the son of man who holds it fast, who keeps the Sabbath, not profaning it, and keeps his hand from doing any evil. Let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord... Wait a second. The foreigner joined himself? Wait, I thought you had to be a Jew first. Let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say, The Lord will surely separate me from this people. And let not the eunuch say, Behold, I am a dry tree. For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose the things that please me and hold fast my covenant, I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. And I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. And the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord, same question again, to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord and to be his servants. Everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it and holds fast my covenant, these I will bring, the foreigners, to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. Lord God, who gathers the outcasts of Israel, declares, I will gather yet others to him besides those already gathered. Also, from let's go to Psalms, chapter 102. Psalm 102, beginning in verse 12. But you, O Lord, are enthroned forever. You are remembered throughout all generations. You will arise and have pity on Zion. It is the time to favor her. The appointed time has come. For your servants hold her stones dear and have pity on her dust. Nations, all nations, nations will fear the name of the Lord and all the kings of the earth will fear your glory. For the Lord builds up Zion. He appears in his glory. He regards the prayer of the destitute and does not despise their prayer. Let this be recorded for a generation to come, so that a people yet to be created may praise the Lord. That he looked down from his holy height from heaven, the Lord looked at earth to hear the groans of the prisoners, to set free those who were doomed to die. 
that they may declare in Zion the name of the Lord and in Jerusalem his praise when peoples gather together and kingdoms to worship the Lord. You and I, if you were unaware, were prisoners in our sin. We were doomed to die without the salvation of Jesus Christ. And these prophecies and promises we have there pave the way for what Peter is now talking about in this revelation. We don't have to turn there, but Paul later continues to explain this because all the circumcision party wasn't simply gathered in Jerusalem that day to hear it. Now, they fought this battle for years to come as the, there were Jews in, of the circumcision party all over and, and those who became believers that held this staunch thing that people had to become Jews before they had, had to become Christians. So you're going to see this a, a few different times uh, throughout the letters, uh, the epistles of the New Testament. But in Galatians chapter 3, Paul is explaining this. For he writes, as, as many of you were baptized into Christ have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, nor male nor female, for you are all in Christ Jesus. All one in Christ Jesus. And of course he's not saying that you know, gender is now not a thing. You know, that's the world trying to do that. Gender is very much a thing, but it's not your identity. Our identity is now Christ. Our identity is no longer whether or not I was a Jew before, or a Greek before, Gentile before, a Phoenician, a Babylonian, a Midianite, a Jebusite, a Hittite, a Parasite. That's not what our identity is anymore. We are made one in Christ. So now fast forward back with me to Acts chapter 11. Because up until this point, Peter's been sharing what happened. We've had the confrontation. Those of the circumcision party who, wanna, who are ready to greet him when he comes into Jerusalem saying, You're wrong. We're right. What are you doing? So we've had the confrontation. We've had the explanation. Right? We've had the... The witnesses there. You had the revelation and now the correction. And if we just simply ended here in verse 17, it would be great. But fortunately for us, there's one more verse. In verse 18. And when they... Now, who's the they? Who's, who's the they? Those are the circumcision party. Right Now, there were undoubtedly other believers there, but this, the people we're specifically talking about, who were being addressed, who brought the confrontation, it's that them. And this is that they. I don't want to get too hung up on the pronouns again. That's something the world's doing. But this is them. When they, when those of the circumcision party heard these things, they fell silent. Hmm. Sometimes you ever just have to think on something? Meditate on it, and you're like, wow, I just got to take this in for a second. When they heard these things, they fell silent. And then the next sentence, they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also, God has granted repentance that leads to life. I'm going to close with this today. I want to be careful subjecting ourselves into the text. We weren't there, right? We get to read about this. However, if there was any group of people that we would, quote-unquote, identify with in today's passage, it would be those of the circumcision party. It would not be Peter. It would be those who want to confront things with a dogmatic perspective or this has always been this way, traditionalists or whatever it is. Again, it's not that they are bringing Scripture as evidence. They're not. So that's important for us to note. If we're going to ask ourselves what is worth holding on to, it, it will be found in here. I'm not suggesting that we abandon reason, that we abandon the Word or what it says. On the contrary, we need to hold fast to it. But with the circumcision party found that their argument wasn't actually based in Scripture. 
What was in Scripture, however, was all nations, even to the ends of the earth. You mean beyond Jerusalem? Yes, to the ends of the earth. You mean beyond the Mediterranean? Yes, to the ends of the earth. But what if they don't look like us? Yes, nations to the end of the earth. But what if they don't speak like us? Yes, nations to the end of the earth. And so for us today, we see what happens in verse 18. To those in the circumcision party, and they heard these things, they fell silent. But then they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also, God has granted repentance that leads to life. And what has happened in that verse? Their mind and their heart has been changed. Repentance and rejoicing. That's what always happens. When we have a right understanding of who we are and a right understanding of who God is. Our repentance and rejoicing to Him for what God has done. A few questions for us today then. Are you too proud to be corrected? Are you, are you too high and mighty to be brought low? Are you too right to ever be found out wrong? Are you too selfish to not offer an apology? Are you too set in your ways of thinking to have your mind changed? Are you unwilling to be shaped by the Lord? Ezekiel chapter 36. Signa, you can leave this up here. You go back to that. Just leave, leave that other one. Yeah, let's leave that up there. I want you thinking about this. And just, I'll give you the scripture reference if you want to write it down for later, but I encourage you to listen right now, actually. From Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 22 through 32. Therefore say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, it is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am about to act, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations to which you came. And I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, and which you have profaned among them. And the nations will know, the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God. And when through you I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. We know that through the person of Israel, the group of the people of Israel, the person of Jesus Christ that he's talking about. The nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God. When through you I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. And I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. And I will sprinkle clean water on you. And you shall be clean from your for all your uncleanness. And we spent the last two or three weeks talking about clean versus unclean. And how we are made clean. Not by ourselves, not by anything we can do, but by the person of Jesus Christ and the dwelling of the Holy Spirit in our lives, forming and reforming us. Right? And, and, and I will clean you from all your uncleanliness. And from all your idols, I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you. Sound familiar to Acts chapter 2 and what we're talking about at all? Yeah. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. And you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers and you shall be my people and I will be your God. And I will deliver you from all your uncleanness. And I will summon the grain and make it abundant and lay no famine upon you. I will make the fruit of the tree and the increase of the field abundant that you may never again suffer the disgrace of famine among the nations. Then you will remember your evil ways and your deeds that were not good and you will loathe yourselves for your iniquities and your abominations. It is not for your sake that I will act 
declares the Lord God, let that be known to you. Be ashamed and confounded for your ways, O house of Israel. God did not send his son so that our name might be great. God sent his son for us so that we would know how great his name is. It's not for our sake, but he has done these things. Are we proud in our walk, even as Christ followers? Do we need to be humbled? Do we need to be brought low as the circumcision party? It was reflected, they're just silent, they have no words. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 1. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof, correction, is stupid. That's in there. You can read it. That word, yeah, stupid's in the Bible. You bet it is. Because there's some stupid in the Bible. <laughs> right? People being stupid. And words for us also. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof, correction, stupid. Hebrews 12.6, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. James chapter 4, verse 6, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Psalm 25.9, he leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. Proverbs 16, verses 18 and 19, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. It is better to be of lowly spirit with the poor than to divide the spoils with the proud. Finally, Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. And these you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. Anger. Wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with his practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator, which is being renewed. It's an act in process. Here, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, Barbarian, Scythian, slave-free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, putting up with them. <laughs> Sometimes it ain't easy. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. But I don't want to. God has commanded it. Here in, I don't know, how about Matthew 6, right after the Lord's Prayer come to mind? Check out verse 13. As the Lord has forgiven you, so also you must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. My hope and prayer for us this week is that we are thankful for salvation which has been offered to us and all peoples because of what God has done in His holy name. 
that we have soft and correctable hearts. Not a heart of stone, a heart of flesh. Yes, Spirit, teach me. Read the Word and show me. Let the believers, the body of Christ, edify and encourage one another, building each other up through correction, through reproof, through encouragement. So that we are thankful for salvation, that we have soft and correctable hearts, that we are humble and teachable, that we are both repentant and rejoicing. And finally, conforming to God's truth instead of the world. That is Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, that our minds be renewed and our lives transformed. This is what God has done. And I pray, as I prayed in the beginning, that we are humble and teachable, correctable people who can hear what the truth of the word is and then adjust as the Spirit in us convicts us, not condemns us, convicts us to do what needs to be done, to say what needs to be said, to repent what needs to be repented of, and to forgive what needs to be forgiven of. And that's my hope for us this week. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thanks for listening to this message. This weekly podcast is a ministry of True Life Church. If you'd like to help keep these audio sermons available, you can support our ministry online at www.truelifemelbourne.com forward slash give. Until next time, may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.